Good morning, Lighthouse. How's everyone this morning? Is everyone good? I think I've got one, yeah, thanks. Um, sure, guys, it's been, it's been a while since I've had the privilege to preach. Um, as most of you know, uh, we just, my wife just gave birth to our third beautiful baby girl. Um, yeah, so was out of action for a little while. <laughs> Those with kids know exactly what I'm talking about. So thank you for being so gracious to us. And Lighthouse, let me just say thank you so much for supporting us in that time. There's so many families that brought us delicious meals every day for like, I don't know what it was, like two or three weeks. Bless you guys. Thank you so much. That was so helpful. Uh, But one thing I learned is that there are some talented cooks in this church. (laughs) The Italians and the Greeks. We saw your vibes. We saw your flavors. Thank you so much, guys. Really appreciate it. And um, yeah, just super excited to be preaching and sharing with you guys this morning. As you guys know, we are preaching on the prodigal son. It's such a powerful story. Now, I'm not going to take for granted that everyone knows the story because there might be people watching online with us. So we're going to read the story, okay? And if you've read it a thousand times, make it a thousand and one. Listen with new ears, okay? Is that cool? Do you have your Bibles here this morning, church? If not, repent. <laughs> I'm kidding. We're going to have it up on the screen. Um, but I wonder if we can do something just differently this morning. As we read the Word of God, sometimes maybe we forget that this, this Word was given to us by the Creator of the heavens and the earth. This is His very words to us. And sometimes perhaps we might read it a bit flippantly. But today, can I ask us something, church? Can we stand while we read the Word of God? Can we do that? So can I ask you to stand? And we're going to be reading from Luke 15 and from verse 11. Is it up on the screen? Awesome. And it reads as follows. And Jesus is speaking. A certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that belongs to me. So the father divided up his livelihood. And not many days after the younger son had gathered all together, he journeyed to a far country and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. But when he had spent all there, arose a severe famine in the land, and he began to be in want. Then... He went and joined himself with a citizen of that country, and he sent him into the fields to feed the swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything to eat. But when he had come to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against you. I have sinned against heaven. And in your sight, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said 
to his servants, bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fattened calf here and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is now alive again. He was lost and is found and they began to be merry. Now the oldest son was in the field and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked, what are, what, are these things, what are these things meant? And he said to him, your brother has come, and because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed a fattened calf. But he was angry and would not go in. Therefore his father came out and pleaded with him. So he answered and said to his father, lo, these many years I have been serving you. I never transgressed your command at any time. And yet you never give me a young goat that I may make, make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours comes, whom you, uh, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you kill the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, son, you are always with me and all that I have is yours. It was right that we should make merry and be glad for your brother was dead and is now alive again. And was lost, but now has been found. Sure. Father God, as we just unpack this, Father, won't you just, I ask, Father God, that you would speak through me. Holy Spirit, won't you speak the words directly from the throne room right now to your people this morning. And give us a revelation of your heart this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, guys. So, through this series... We've read the story, but today specifically we're going to be talking about the significance of the robe and the ring that was given to the son. Does anybody perhaps know what the significance of that is? You know, when we read the story, we just think, oh, cool, you know, he gets like a cool robe and he gets a ring, everything's sorted. But there's so much more to, to that. And this morning I'm praying that whether you know the Lord Jesus Christ your whole life, or whether you've never heard about him, and all of this is all new to you, I'm asking you to please listen intently. Because there is something here for us to grasp that will forever change our life if we fully understand the depth of what Jesus is saying here. Amen. So some of the notes from this portion of Scripture is that it's very interesting that we, we, we just assume that because this, the younger son leaves, He's so far away from his father, right? The older brother never leaves. He's still close by. So who's further away? The younger son. Geographically, he's further away. But the older son, not knowing his father's heart, is just as far away from his father in his heart than his younger son is in distance. The older brother, although being with the father, did not know the father's heart, you see, the religious works of the older brother blinded him from building a relationship with his father. The older son chose duty over relationship. <laughs> Man. If you saved, I hope this hits home for you. I hope, I hope there's a conviction that takes place because it's not me that convicts. Holy Spirit, I ask and pray that you would convict because he does. I'm convicted. Every time I read this portion of Scripture, I'm convicted. 
Because how much of my life is duty? How much of my life do I feel like I've got to do this for God so that He can continue to be happy with me? How many of us can raise our hands and say, yeah, I, I, think, I think I have a little bit of an older brother in me. You see, the older brother is more concerned about the father's physical estate. And he sees him more of like a master than a father. One thing that the older brother misses out on is this massive party. <laughs> Why? He's so proud. He's so jealous. He's filled with all these emotions that there's a party happening in his father's house and he completely misses it because of his own self-righteousness. And how much are we missing out of what God has in store for us because we're so caught up in the work? Guys, let me tell you something. Being a Christian is not boring. If it's boring, you've missed it. <laughs> I promise you. The creator of the heavens and the earth didn't create you to be boring, to be just another one of the crowd. Kimmy challenged us this morning. She said, what is God saying to you in worship? What is he saying to you? I know the Lord speaks to all of us, especially in worship. Raise your hands. Lie on, your, lie on the floor. Wave a flag. Do something. But many of us don't because we're probably too, we're too scared. Maybe, oh, what's, what's the guys going to think? They're going to, you know, I'm, I'm a man. If I take a flag, maybe they're going to think I'm a bit of a whatever. I don't know. I don't know what people think. We have our own insecurities, right? We're missing out on the greatest party because God did not create us to be normal. Amen? <laughs> you know, we get saved for those of us that have been in the world and partied and we know what it's like to have a good time and we, we become saved, we become so self-righteous that we can't even step out of our seat. Wow, who's, who said? Did God say, when you come to church, behave yourself, fold your arms, nod your head, turn around, sit down? <laughs> Guys, the point, I'm trying to get a point across. If you feel like church has become a religious duty for you, if this place has become a place where you just come and you do the mundane, you do the ordinary, you sing your songs, you listen to the word, you go home, I feel like you're missing out. I really feel like God is saying, my child, I've got so much more in store for you. Amen? You see, the younger brother escaped his father through sin. The older brother escaped his father through his religious works. How many of us have done things in order to get God's approval? Like, let's say we're trusting the Lord for something. And we know, we've all, we're all guilty of this. We'll just go the extra mile in our day to make the Lord happy by doing something. Lord, I'm praying that I'll get, this, uh, I'll, get, I'll get this promotion at work, and I thank you, Lord, that I'm going to give it my all. I thank you, Lord. And that day, you're going to do extra work. You're going to, make, you're going to shine, right? <laughs> Why don't you do that every other day? What am, what's the point of what I'm saying? We've all repented. Well, most of us have repented for our sin, correct? The things that we've done wrong. Have we repented for our good works that the Lord has never asked us to do. I'm going to say that again. 
Most of us have repented for the sin that we have caused, the sin that we have done that God has been displeased with. But how many of us have repented for the good works we've done that God never asked us to do, that we hold as, a, as, a, as a, some sort of a qualification to say, God, look what I've done for you. Now, I don't want this, I feel like you guys are, maybe, is this, is this a bit heavy? I hope it's hitting your hearts because it hit mine, it really did. Because I feel like the enemy lies to us and says, yeah, but remember those good things you did. Remember, remember what you did. But why? Because we're trying to achieve something that God has never asked us to do. See, it's not only religion that distances the older brother, but also jealousy. Jealousy is a big one. How does your heart respond when someone in a similar position to you gets promoted or gets recognized? Do you celebrate with them or are you envious of them? That's hard. That's very hard. And I think most of us have been in that situation before. What is your heart's response when you've given everything that you have to give in something, but somebody else gets a recognition? What is your heart's response? See, the difference between the older brother and the younger brother is the younger brother lived the most debaucherous life you could ever think. So yes, he deserves wrath and judgment, right? The younger brother, out of the two, was the only brother that recognized his need for forgiveness. He went so far away from the father that he, when he lost everything, he recognized his need for salvation. He's like, I have not enough in and of my own. I've done it all, I've seen it all, and I am still left wanting. I have messed up. We can see his heart. He says, I am not worthy to be called your son. That is a, that's a sign of a, of, of, a, of a repented heart, right? So those are just some points that I wanted just to touch on in that portion of Scripture. And now with, with that, I'm going to start just unpacking a little bit about the robe and the ring and what the significance of those things are. You see, when you gave your life to Jesus Christ, it wasn't a prayer you said one time and then carry on your life however you want from then on. That's, that's not what salvation is. Salvation is being in the position of the younger brother, realizing your need for salvation. That in and of yourself you have and can do nothing to save yourself. We're all in that same bracket, guys. No matter how good you are and no matter how bad you are, you could be the worst murderer and you could be the greatest saint. You still need salvation and that's why we are all the same. Jesus sees us all the same. The same price he paid for the murderer is the same price he paid for the saint. Amen? So what does this robe mean? I put this flag here because I want, I want it to be in your, in your mind. When you come and you give your life to Jesus Christ and you bow your knee, this is what it means. You say, Lord, I have not enough in and of myself. I cannot do this without you. I surrender myself to you and I, and I make you my Lord and my Savior. Now, Lord, <laughs> for the rest of my days, will you lead me and guide me? That's what it means. What happens in that moment is that we can't see it with our human eyes, but Jesus Christ cloaks us. He puts this, this robe around us of, <laughs> and I'm going to unpack it now, of his righteousness, of his blood. 
something we could never earn and never deserve. You can't work for it. You can't do good deeds for it. You can't pay for it. Yet it is something that when you bow your knee to Him, He gives it to you freely. So what does it, what does it signify? It signifies salvation, identity, and it also signifies the good works prepared in advance for us. And I'm going to explain that. In Isaiah 61 verse 10, it says, I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation, and he has arrayed, arrayed my robe with his righteousness. Just like the younger son, when the father puts that robe on him, he receives salvation. He has returned home to his father. And everything that he's ever done gets washed away because of the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Amen? Isn't that awesome news? You are clothed with Christ. Romans 13 verse 14 says, Clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of your flesh. You see, when we put on Christ's identity, we become a new creation. There's a process of a renewing of our mind that the Bible speaks about. We are called new creations in Christ, and we no longer think how we used to think. We no longer do what we used to do. That is a sign of someone that is really saved. If you find yourself still doing the things that you used to do, and there's, just, there's no call to a change, the Bible says, work out your salvation. Are you, are you for real? <laughs> is your Christian walk really real? Check this out. Revelations 19 says, For the wedding of the Lamb has come, and His bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her. The fine linen stands for the righteous acts of God's people. You see, I want to make something clear this morning. Is that the older brother, yes, he was working hard, religiously. The younger brother was jawling, hectic, partying, like, you know. The difference is, there's a good work that God has prepared for you. He's already prepared the good work for you in advance. The difference is between the good work that God has for you versus your righteous deeds is that, one, this is what God has asked you to do, and on this side, this is what you feel like you should do to get God's approval or to get recognition. There's a big difference between the two. You see, just because when you become saved doesn't mean that there's no work to be done. There is work to be done because God's kingdom does need to be established here on earth and he needs sons and daughters to do that. It's not just going to happen. The pastor's not going to do it. The elders are not going to do it. He's calling you. <laughs> church, I'm going to challenge you. God never called you to sit in a, in a chair on a Sunday, every Sunday for the rest of your life. Can I, can I just get that out the way? Because while we sit here and while we preach and God wants us here and He wants us preaching and He wants us listening, the world is still dying. So the challenge is, what are you going to do with this? What are we doing with the good work that God has prepared in us advance? Are we asking the Lord, Lord, what is the good work that you have prepared for me? Philippians 2.13 says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Which What? What does it say? Which God prepared in advance for us to do. The pressure's off of you. Don't go and look for something good to do. 
<laughs> hear what your father is saying. Okay? Good works are be, to be done in relationship with the father. See, many Christians come to God and we do things for God. God, this is what I did for you. God, this is what I did for you. When God says, I don't want you to do it for me. I want you to do it with me. Why? Because he's given us everything to be able to do the work. He doesn't just say, there it is, okay, run off, go have fun. He's like, no, I want to be with you in your day. I want to do the work with you, my son and my daughter. That's what he's saying. Good works are to be done in relationship with the Father. John 5, 19, Jesus gave them this answer. Very truly I say to you, the Son can do nothing by himself. He can, only, he can do only what he sees the Father doing because whatever the Father does, the Son does also. That comes by relationship. Many Christians struggle to hear God's voice. It's not an uncommon thing, but it should be an uncommon thing because we should be hearing his voice. How do we hear his voice? By spending time with him in the quiet place. By setting everything else aside, by putting your phone down, putting Netflix off, saying to your friends, sorry guys, not today. Lord, Father, speak to me today. What is, it, what is it that you are saying to me? And listen. And if you're battling to hear, say, Holy Spirit, unlock my ears. Because the world has flooded you with every single distraction to block out the voice of your Father. Do we recognize that? The radio, the TV. I'm not saying these things are from the devil, but I don't think they're from the Lord either. But these things are just pump you full of just noise. How often do we just sit in silence? You know when the, when the power went off just now? How many of us felt a little bit uncomfortable? Why? It's awkward. I need, I need, where's the worship team? Somebody just sing something because they don't know what to do. I'm challenging you. Listen to the voice of your father. Are you taking the time to hear his voice? We are supposed to be doing good works. Ephesians 2 verse 10 says, For we are God's hand, we're created in Christ Jesus to do the good works that God prepared in us in advance. Our, so the difference is, like I, may, I said earlier, the things that we want to do, that, that I, feel, I feel like this is a good idea for God. The Bible, you know what the Bible calls that? Filthy rags. That's what the Bible calls it. He says our greatest works are as filthy rags before a holy God. Because of ourselves, if, we, if it's not out of obedience, it counts for nothing. Christianity starts with salvation, and it is proceeded by doing the good works that God has prepared in us advanced to do. Matthew 16, 24, I'm going to read this quick. Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, pick up their cross, and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life will find it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet lose their soul? Or if anyone can give an exchange for their soul, for the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what they have done. Now, I don't want you to hear works, guys. I don't want you to hear religious works. I want you to hear, Lord, what is the good deeds that you have prepared for me in advance? It's waiting there that only you can do. Ethan, it's only you, bro. Only you can do the work that God has called you to do. No one else is going to do it for you. And when Jesus says, when he comes back, he will reward you for your obedience in what he asked you to do. Now check this out. Matthew 22, verse 11. Now, Jesus is speaking. It says, but when the king came, now, the story, the background story is there's this king that has a feast and he invites all these people 
and every single one has an excuse as to why they don't want to come. Then the king says, just go find every and anyone and invite them. Let them come to the wedding feast. So Jesus says, when the king came in to see the guests, he saw a man who did not have on a wedding garment. So he said to him, friend, how did you come in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. The king said to his servants, bind this man hand and foot, take him away and cast him out to outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Oh. <laughs> we don't hear scriptures like this too much in the church these days. Maybe here, we do here in Lighthouse to the Nations Church because this is an awesome church. But the church these days is very scared to preach on stuff like this. When Jesus himself, this was his very words. What does he say? Anyone that, pro- that, that proclaims or is invite, rocks up to the party but is not washed or has been given a robe of Jesus Christ's righteousness, sorry, my friend, <laughs> you chose not to partake in the party. What, do you, what, what must Jesus do? Jesus is never going to force somebody into heaven that doesn't want to be there. That's what free will is. That's what love is. That's why he loves us so much. Amen? So does that give you a bit of a picture of what the robe represents? It represents salvation. It represents the righteous deeds that that God has prepared for us in advance. And guys, I've asked this question before. If the Queen of England came to your house or invited you to the palace for whatever reason, and there before the world she gave you a robe and a ring and said, I knight you, you know, welcome to the palace and this whatever. How would you walk? How will you think? How will you act? Will you still walk like insecure and full of, no, something's going to change in you, right? Because now you've been given an identity, you didn't earn it, you didn't work for it, but something has changed, right? How much more a divine identity, a divine exchange, the creator God says, my son and my daughter, for you I did this. This is for you. All we have to do is receive it. Now, what does the ring represent? How many of us are married here? Can I just see? Or have been married? Check all the guys are like, "Mm." (laughs) The day you put that ring on your finger, what happened? This ring. Sorry, this is not my actual wedding ring. I've lost it four times. It's come back to me four times, but this time, I don't know. I think, I don't know. Lord, I'm, I'm praying it comes back to me. But what does that ring represent? Johnny, bro, when, when you put that ring on your finger, what happened? What happened? Uh, made a covenant with your wife. The game is up. Game's over, right? Not, not the game's over, but the game's over. Guys, you know what I'm talking about. You're done. You, 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 you committed. It's just funny. It was the weirdest thing for me. When, the day I got married, I put this ring on my finger. Well, when I got engaged. I would walk around and interact with people and then realize, I'd look at the ring and be like, oh, flip, how am I talking to people now? Because now I'm engaged. Now I have a responsibility to make sure that I'm not flirting where I shouldn't. Or, does that make sense? I think guys probably, I'm speaking from a guy's perspective, okay? So forgive me. But there's just, there's, there's something that changed. When you see that thing, you're like, oh, yes. Oh, yes. I have given myself, I have pledged myself to someone. 
It's a beautiful thing. I no longer belong to myself, and I belong to someone else. So the ring, when we receive, when the, the younger son receives the ring, what does he receive? He receives a new covenant. And he receives kingdom authority. I want to elaborate on these two things. He receives a new covenant, which is forgiving, forgiving grace, and he receives kingdom authority, which is empowering grace. We've heard, we've heard Bruce speak on this plenty of times, but if we haven't, I'm going to just unpack it just a little bit. See, the new covenant is no matter what the youngest son had done, think of the worst thing you could ever think. No matter what he did, as soon as the father puts that ring on his finger, he is forgiven wholly and completely, and his sins are remembered no more. Because of his repented heart, he can receive that ring. The new covenant, and I wonder maybe even while we're speaking about this, can we, can we hand out the, um, the communion while we're speaking about this? Matthew 26 verse 28 says, This is the blood of the new covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. You see, God no longer holds our sin against us. The older father no longer holds the, the younger brother's sin against him. He doesn't come and say, my boy, I told you. Go to the room, get the belt. We need to have a chat or whatever. He doesn't say that. Hebrews 8 verse 12. For I will be merciful regarding their wrong deeds, and I will never remember their sins again. <laughs> Guys, do you know that God never remembers your sin? Do you know that? The Bible says that. Is when you repent and you ask for forgiveness, God remembers your sin no more. The only person that remembers your sin is who? It's probably two people, you and the devil. And he's going to remind you of that sin. And he comes with that. And he, and he, and he brings that. Yeah, oh, Terry, remember what you did. Remember what you did. Remember those days in Cape Town. Remember. And then what happens? You start, you start oh, you know, remember those, those things that I did. And God is saying, what are you doing? What are you talking about? What sin? When did this happen? Terry, don't you remember what I did for you? Don't you remember the price that was paid for you? I don't remember it. It's gone. Don't live in the past. Live in the new. Live in the good works that I have for you, my girl. That's what God is saying. Terry shared on this. 2 Corinthians 5.19. God is reconciling us back to himself. God was reconciling the world back to himself in Christ, not counting people's sin against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. The greatest thing that we can do as a child of God is to, to take what we have been given for free and share it with those that are dying and need it. That is the greatest privilege. Who's with me? <laughs> or do we just keep it for ourselves? Hey? You see, the Father bridged the gap by giving his son to us and for us. The ring represents kingdom authority. And this is what I really want to hit home with. Okay, so we understand the ring, forgiveness. But there's something else that takes place. There is an authority that has been given to you. Whether you are male or female, it doesn't matter. There's an authority given to you that only you can walk in. But you can live your whole Christian life and completely miss it. You can be saved and on your way to heaven and completely miss 
<laughs> everything that God has in store for you. And I think that, is, that will be one of the saddest things that we will ever look back one day when we get to glory and the Lord shows us, he says, my son, welcome, welcome. But my boy, <laughs> look what I had for you. Look, look at what I had for you. Why don't you take it? Why don't you walk in it? Empowering grace is what it's called. So when the Lord forgives us, He gives us His grace. He's gracious. And even though we save and we sin, He's gracious to forgive us. Right? We repent. It's awesome. Like, it's so awesome. But then what happens is God doesn't just leave us in a state of mess, of constant falling, of constant sin. He says, my son and my daughter, I've given you the power to overcome your old ways. The stuff that used to trip you up, the stuff that used to make you fall, it's fine. I understand. I have grace for you that, you, that you're getting there. There's a process, but understand this, is that I never destined you to stay there. I destined you to overcome, to get rid of those things, to, to champion over those things, to not let those sin issues control you, but you to control them. There's a story in Genesis 41 verse 40 where it talks about Joseph, and Pharaoh gives Joseph a ring and a garment and makes him in charge of whole, the whole of Egypt. That's a beautiful picture. He gets a robe and a ring. The ring gives him the authority to execute commands on behalf of Pharaoh. Just as we do, the Father gives us a ring to execute His command on behalf of our Father. And there's a story in Haggai, 2, two verse 20, just for the sake of time, I'm not going to get too into it, but the story of Zerubbabel, where God is declaring all these great and mighty works that he is going to do through Zerubbabel, and how's he going to do it? He says, on this day, declares the Lord, I will, I will take you, my servant Zerubbabel, and I will make you like my signet ring, for I have chosen you, declares the Lord Almighty. And if you read before there, it just shows you all these awesome signs and wonders that the Lord wants to do through him. The Lord wants to establish his kingdom here on earth. And he wants to use you. Are you willing? Church, are you willing? Are we so caught up in the 9 to 5 and the mundane and the things we become so used to that we've completely missed the voice of the Lord that says, my son, this is what I want you to do today. My daughter, this is the awesome good work that I have for you today. Can you try and fit it in, in between your 9 to 5? Can you try and fit it in between the things that you're doing. Can you fit it in? Because I promise you, at the end of that, there's something so awesome that's, that's going to come. There's a, there's a breakthrough that's going to happen in your life. There's a blessing that's going to come to you. My, my son, can you not see it? Can you not see what lies there? But, but sometimes we walk around with our headphones and we just like completely miss it. And the challenge is today, church, don't miss. Don't miss the inheritance that God has for you. Today, there's some, what is the good work that God has called you to do today? I'm not talking about religious works. I'm talking about good works. Something that takes place in your day that gives glory to your Father and He, and you in, he glorifies you in return and something amazing happens at the end of that. Every single time, I promise you. Matthew 28, verse 18. Are we on slide 27? No, slide's not working. Okay. 
Jesus called to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go to every nation, making disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. If we are heirs with Christ, co-heirs with Christ, that means that everything that the Father has given to Jesus has been given to who? Come on now, church. I'm gonna, who has it been given to? Are we sure? <laughs> You know why we, talk, we, we answer like that? Because we don't fully believe it. And I'll be honest, I don't, I, don't, I don't fully get it sometimes. But I'm saying, Lord, help me to understand this revelation. We have been, been given power and authority. Luke 10 verse 19. I have given you the power and authority to trample on scorpions and snakes and to overcome the power of the enemy and nothing will harm you. Think of the devil and the kingdom of darkness and the enemy and the giants and the everything the, the, you know, sometimes we, we make it out like this massive thing, and maybe it is. But what is God saying? I have given you the power to what? To overcome all the power of the enemy. But the devil will come bigger than what he is and shout louder than everything else and make you feel as if he is greater and he is more powerful than you in your little situation. There it is, guys. Do we believe it? <laughs> he has given us the power to overcome any and everything. Lord, help us, please. Help us to understand this. Are we being responsible with the power that he has given us? Imagine for a second, Superman rocks up. <laughs> and he finds, he finds this guy and he's like, bro, I give you the power to fly. Go fly. But that guy just doesn't believe it. He's just like, there's no ways. And he lives the rest of his life walking around like everyone else. Well, that's what a lot of Christians do. We get given everything by the Creator God, everything, the most ridiculous things you can ever imagine in your life. He gives it to us. But we walk around like the rest of the world. We look, we sound, we smell just like everyone else. We're going to get to communion now. Thanks, babe. <laughs> How do you use the power and authority that God has given you in your day? In your 9 to 5, I'm not, I'm not mocking work. When I say 9 to 5, I get it. I'm not, I'm not mocking it. But what I'm saying is how do you use that power and that authority? How do you use that good work that God has asked you and called you to do in your 9 to 5, in your, at, at school, at your workplace, at the office? Are you asking the Lord? Lord, speak to me. Lord, show me. Are you being responsible with it? How does that affect us here today? In 2000, affect us here in 2020. Take home, it makes us feel good that for the rest of the week we can just have a little bit of encouragement. Or is this something that needs to define the rest of our life in how we live up every day? See, all things, all things come from who? The Father. How? Through Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 8 verse 6. Through who Christ all things came. You see, you cannot get to the Father without coming through the Son. That's not possible. That's just the way it is. But what a beautiful gift. How do we live for the Father? 
Who can tell me? How do we live for the Father? Anyone? Let me, let me, let me read it for you. Romans 8.28 says, and I'm going to close with this. And we know that all things God works for the good of those that love Him. Do we believe that, church? I'm going to say that again. Do we know that, all, that in all things God works for the good of those that love Him? That can be bad things and it can be good things. Don't let the devil lie to you and tell you that when something bad happens in your life, God is punishing you. Sometimes bad things happen that we don't understand because God wants you to see there's a change, there's a shift that he needs to take place and he will allow it to happen gracefully even though in in the natural it doesn't make sense. You're like, God, how can you let this happen? God is saying, my son and my daughter, trust me because I'm making this work for your good. One day you will look back and you will see, (laughs) thank God that he did what he did. All things God works for those, for the good that love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed into the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. For those he predestined, he also called. For those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. So how do we live for the Father? By being conformed into the image and likeness of his son. Church, are you asking yourself every single day, what is it in and of me that is not of Jesus, that is completely contrary? And are you taking that thing, that pride, that selfishness, that lust, that all those things that trip us up, and are you saying, Father, this is me, and I'm struggling with this, but Lord, not my will. I want to be more like your son. Are we asking that every day? We should. Why am I saying all of this? And this is what I'm closing with. Why am, what is the point of all of this? For those of us that have heard this all before, it's old news. I'm praying it's not old news, man. Because this should be challenging you every single day. The problem is, and the reason why I'm saying all of this, I said it just now, is that the world out there is dying. And you and I, thank God, have been saved. But not everyone has that privileges yet. No one, not everyone has come back to the Father. They are living the prodigal life. And maybe even some of us are, are toying in the prodigal life while being saved. And we, we like, oh, this balance of, man, I'm, st- I'm still living this sinful life. But I, really, but I really love you, God, and I'm really trying. There's no condemnation. But God is saying, my son, come home. God is saying, my daughter, come home. Enough. There's more for you. There's so much greater things on this side than this side. I promise you. <laughs> Why am I saying all of this? Romans 8, 19 says, For creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. Are you a child of God? Who's a child of God here? If the world looks at you, what do they see? 
What do they hear? What do they smell? What are you, what, what are you presenting yourself as? I'm not saying be fake, but I'm saying the world is dying. The world is asking questions. The world is confused. And they're looking for answers. It's people where they're looking at you. They're seeing a powerful woman that knows what she wants. She's intelligent, but there's something different about her because there's a truth about her that not everybody else has. There's a deepness there. There's a realness there. What is that? I want that. And it's the Christ in you that is the hope that they need. Amen? Can we just take a moment? Can we just bow our eyes as we just take these elements? I don't even like the word elements, Lord. This is so much more than what it is. But Lord Jesus, Abba Father, I want to run to you this morning. Father God, every single thing in my life that is prodigal, every single thing in my life that I'm still struggling with, Father God, I want to leave it at your feet. I want to cast it off me right now. And if you would, church, if you're just feeling, whatever it is that you're feeling, just present that to your Father this morning. Father God, I want to run to you. Lord, I want to be reminded of the robe and the ring that you have given me. Father God, I want to walk in forgiveness. I want to know that you hold nothing against me, that you are proud of me, Daddy. Lord, I want to walk with authority as a son of the Most High God, knowing that wherever I go, I carry the presence of the Almighty God with me. Remind me of that, Father God. Remind us of that, Father. And Father God, as we lift up this bread and this grape juice that represents your blood, Jesus Christ, and your body, Lord Jesus, that was broken for me on the cross, I do this in remembrance of you, Lord. And I thank you, Lord. I thank you that it is a celebration that we do this because you paid the price with love. You did it for me because you loved me. You loved us, Lord. So as we eat this bread, we do this in remembrance of you, Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your blood. The blood that purchases us, purchases us from death to life. Just because of this, Jesus, <laughs> we can live with you forever in your kingdom. And we thank you for this, Jesus. We thank you for the blood that was shed for us on the cross. In Jesus' name. Church, if you're feeling like you just want someone to pray for you, please can you stay? Please don't let another day go by that you miss what God has in store for you. There'll be a team of us there in the ministry lounge. If you just want to chat about some stuff, you want prayer, then please come. Is that cool? Awesome. Thank you so much.